Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hour number two of the Blitz live on the campus of St. Vincent College. It's training camp 2022 here on SNR. We are in Latrobe. It is a little overcast out, but a nice day here, about 73, 74 degrees right now. I just checked the weather report. That's right, folks. I mean, you know I got the good hair. You know I co-host the show. You know when we're back in the studio, I produce the show. You know, I got my feet up out here on site today. Yeah, all these different talents and things, right? Well, you didn't know a meteorologist hat here as well too in my closet. Uh, Supposed to be a little overcast here for the next couple hours, but then around 3 o'clock it's going to get sunny and warm up to 79, 80 degrees. It's supposed to rain today out here in Latro, but not until well into the evening. Should have no effects here on practice. The crowd is filling in nicely. Autograph Hill is open, so everybody is over there getting their spot, lining up, hoping to, uh, to get some high fives and some pictures and some handshakes. The hills are nice and covered. And quick peek here. I'd say the bleachers at Chuck Knoll Field are about 50% of the way full. Motsi, you'll laugh, all right? I got to tell you, somebody here in the crowd, <laughs> somebody here in the crowd just had a good joke during break. I got to tell you about it real quick, Uh-oh. all right? All right, so, let me hear it. Let me hear it. So we're, I'm sitting here during break, right? And there's there's this gentleman, middle-aged guy. You know, he's got the Steelers straw hat on. Dad vibes. All right, that's what I'm going with. Dad oh, yeah. vibes with here it. because it. it's about to be a dad joke coming up here. Um, he comes up to me when we go to break, and he's got a little Bluetooth speaker going, right? And he comes up and he says, excuse me, could you keep it down? All right, I'm trying to listen to Steelers Nation radio. Uh, he goes, these guys are the only ones out here who know what they're talking about. I said, ah, I said, I see what you did there. Pretty good. Pretty good. I like it. So thanks. Thanks to, uh, thanks. To, listen, there's, there's a few other people out here who know what they're talking about. All right. Uh, not like not, it, not like many, it. but there's a few. Certainly. <laughs> but thanks to everybody who, uh, who rocks and rolls with us throughout this, this, uh, this thing, whether you're here on campus in Lake Trobe, whether you're uh, across the country, across the world, we appreciate you guys, uh, rocking and rolling with us throughout training camp 2022 here and then the regular season and all those different things 
as well, too. Motsi, I did want to, before we dive back into some specifics here, because, you know, probably sometime in our next segment, the, the guys are going to start running out here for practice, and we'll get into some more of uh, pads and physicality and what we're seeing and all those different things. But I did want to, um, nationally with you real quick, you know, we had another, we, we've been watching these first four days, keeping an eye on Deontay Johnson. What's he look like at practice every single day? What's his status? Is there any potential for a contract negotiation breakthrough, or is he maybe going to ride this thing out for a little bit and then return at some point, right? That's something we're all keeping an eye on every single day. Well, maybe maybe another <laughs> as they're looking down and with the speakers down in front of the stands down there. Um, maybe a uh, another thing. I guess a domino that fell in that equation. Uh, another wide receiver who had been in, been jonesing and angling for his contract got one, Debo Samuel of the 49ers. So now, right, I mean, the majority of these guys, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, that, that we've all discussed about in this process, have gotten their contracts taken care of. Does that change anything from Deontay Johnson's perspective? Just the number. In terms of, you know, for a fact, the higher these wide receiver contracts continue to get in terms of a top five perspective, the more your franchise tag will be. You also know that based on your body of work versus some of these other guys body of work, it just continues to let you know your framework, your your price point, you know. And I think for Deontay looking at this Debo Samuel deal, the three years, 73.5 million, but 58.1 million guaranteed. I think if you're it's Deontay, you're looking at that and you're like, man, how far away are we? You know, when you look at Terry McLaurin's deal, how far away are we? And that's the part where if you're him, I personally think that you can't just kind of give in right now. I think that you've already taken this approach regardless of who's taking this approach, as we've talked about, right? Because both parties have spoken sure, sure. and neither are speaking on it again right now. So we don't know. Who is doing what behind the uh, behind closed doors? Right. But when you're talking about the wide receiver market as a whole, the one thing Deontay Johnson knows for a fact is this: if Pittsburgh does not pay him and he has to market, he will get twenty plus million. Yes. On the open market, he also knows that hey, if the Steelers don't pay me, but they franchise tag me, I'm still going to get what twenty plus million dollars guaranteed. Fully, that fully guaranteed. Yeah. So for Deontay, it's just one of those things where you're obviously weighing the risk-reward element of it, and I personally don't anticipate him flirting with sitting out during the season. I don't think it gets I there. Agree. But I do think there's a different context of, hey, you're going to have to take chances with your body. Come out here and give us this labor during training camp versus, hey, man, wait until the season and just try to get through that part as healthy right. as possible right. because for Deontay – it's not like I'm trying to explain it the, the, the best way, right? You want him to obviously go out there and have another breakout season, another thousand yard season, hundred plus catches and stuff like that. But he's already proven he's that type of player. He's already proven he's that type of receiver. So with that being the case, even if his pro his play as a whole, the numbers slightly declined, he's still going to get paid top dollar on the open market because there aren't going to be any other top wide receivers like him <laughs> right. out there. Right. All those guys are getting paid or getting traded. So if you're Pittsburgh, you have to understand that. So even though you control his rights financially, the longer this goes on, the more it hurts your pockets. Because Deontay is going to get his money, whether it's the franchise tag or if you trade him or if he goes to another team 
open marketing gets paid. Like either way, that's going to happen. So for Pittsburgh, you have to understand how can we maximize this potential? How can we maximize the window of him being on our roster? And if we are going to move on from him, how can we do it in the best way possible where we're not going to just allow him to walk out the door and not get anything in return? So those are some of the concepts, some of the things that are all in play right now because of how, I mean, to me, outlandish this wide receiver market has become. I mean, when these guys are getting paid what they're getting paid now, it really changes a lot in terms of how we view these players and how important we think they truly are. So when you're talking about this offense and we're talking about this team as a whole and we're saying Deontay Johnson, is he worth 20 mil a year in Pittsburgh? But we're hearing about a George Pickens. We're talking about a Chase Claypool. We're excited about a Calvin Austin. Well, that's some of the stuff you're the Steelers. You're taking into context. Hmm. So even though Deontay is probably worth 20 by himself somewhere else, in Pittsburgh is different. And that's what really makes this situation so just like not as smooth as we would like it to be or not as traditional or even coming to finishes like we're seeing around the league with other teams. They don't have this type of wide receiver depth chart. They don't have this type of history with drafting young wide receivers and them coming in and being successful. I think all of that is also very much in play here. You're absolutely right. You know, there's there's there are a lot of other factors at play. You mentioned the the, the organizational history for drafting wide receivers, how they've done so successfully for the last 20 years. You've also rightfully so pointed out that it, it becomes a little bit easier when you've had a Hall of Fame quarterback for for that stretch as well mm-hmm. too. But you know, it's it's one of those what comes first, the chicken or the egg type things. Like, but both sides deserve credit in that. Certainly, it, it, absolutely. Um, I mean, Mozi, I said this last week, I think, at one point when we were talking about Deontay. Since 2017, the Steelers have taken a wide receiver in the second or third round every year except for one since 2017. So four of the last five NFL drafts, they've drafted a wide receiver. You know, Chase Claypool was a top 50 guy. Uh, George Pickens was 52nd overall. Deontay Johnson was a third-round pick. Uh, you know, go back to James Washington's second-round pick before that. They are not. They don't shy away from drafting wide receivers, you know, with some high-pedigree draft picks there as well, too. So there's that whole history. Um, and there's also, you know, you kind of alluded this to there a little bit, you know, they, they did already hand out a huge contract this offseason to Mika Fitzpatrick. They did. You know, mm-hmm. albeit on the other side of the football and everything, but they already handed out the the largest contract to a safety in the National Football League. Now, I don't think any of us are, you know, sitting there thinking that Deontay Johnson is asking to be the highest paid wide receiver in football or anything like that. But, you know, this is a organization that, historically doesn't just throw money around callously in terms of guarantees and long contracts. Um, and they, you know, last offseason made T.J. Watt the highest paid uh, defensive player in the league. You know, yeah, he was surpassed by Aaron Donald, but still the highest paid at his position. Uh, this offseason they did the same with Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, like, it is weird because I do feel, you know, as opposed to now maybe back to, let's say, OTAs and minicamp at the end of May and June, I, I – you know, part of me feels like it is more likely that this will get done now, you know, that they can hammer something out before the end of camp than I felt before. But I, I still don't feel overly confident about it. I, I, I'm with you, too. Like, a trade request at this point would surprise me. Him sitting out an entire year or something like that would surprise me. I don't know. Maybe that's why I just feel a little more likely that, that something gets done 
but you're right. I mean, it's not just as simple as, okay, what's the number we think Deontay is worth, and can we get him to agree to something you know, that, that's fair to both sides in that regard? You've got the history of the draft. You've got the big money that you've given out already in one contract this offseason. There's, there's a lot of moving parts there. No, it definitely is. And that's the part where, like I said, it, it just makes it really muddied in terms of when we're trying to say, hey, this person is being a little – too um too one-sided right they're not willing to right. compromise enough right because right. we don't have enough of that behind the scenes information we really can't go that far with this i know the the easy thing is to put it on a deontay but we could also say the easy thing is to say that the team should just pay him i mean teams are doing that right we talked about arizona we talked about how these teams are really just kind of giving into their players request so we know this can go both ways but I think both parties know that Deontay being out there this season is critical for the team to be successful. And Deontay understands that, hey, for him, if you want to get paid the way you want to get paid, you definitely want to be out there as well and want to be your best version of yourself. So I do hope that the deal gets done and it gets done soon. But I really don't know if I'm optimistic about it right now because I'm asking myself, what's changed? outside of other players around the league getting paid more money at that position, what has changed? Hmm. Nothing since we've been talking about this. He hasn't went out there and shown that he could be even better. He hasn't went out there and shown that he could do this and this and this because we haven't seen him just yet. So why are we going to now be optimistic because it's August? Like that's the part <laughs> for me where just because the, the calendar changed, right? You didn't want to pay him 15 million in March. Now that number is ballooned up to 20 plus million. So now you're going to pay 20 plus because it's August. Like that's the, I just don't follow mm -hmm. that logic with people, you know, because of that. It's like, they already knew what his number was. If they wanted to pay that, they could have paid it then. They're going to be feeling a little bit more pressure league wide now. Sure. But outside of the team giving into something, I really don't see how this changes drastically. Hmm. Yeah. And I, that's and honestly, that's one of those things, too. You know, you and I, we could sit here, we could speculate, we could do this hypothetical, we could do that hypothetical. But that's one of those things that we're not really going to know until we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost like like, I mean, Stephon, it, it like what's Stefan Toots yeah. status going to be this season? What's it going to you know, we talked about that from right. from January through through OTAs when he announced his retirement. Like, it's just one of those things we're like, not oh, going to know until we know. Yeah, and think about how many times like oh, I'm feeling way more optimistic about oh, Tua's yeah. return. Oh yeah, Cam Hayward like, said good things wow. about him in the locker room. Yeah, but, uh, uh, and, and what did I say up here? I was like, well, has Tua said anything? Have we seen anything from Tua? Like, <laughs> what has changed outside of it just being two months later? And with Deontay, I'm just like, what has changed from March? What has changed since we realized like, hey, he wants a new deal, and this is the type of money that he's looking for. Nothing has changed except other receivers getting paid more money and making his number go higher. That's it. You know, the only thing that's really changed, right? I think we used this analogy, you and I, a couple weeks ago. Um, it was like these wide receivers and their teams, they're all most What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one -on -one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like, uh, you know, like you you were in that stage at like the middle school, like the junior high or the high school dance, right? Where mm. like all the boys would be on one side, all the girls would be on one side. And eventually like one of your boys would muster up the courage to go ask someone to dance and then they'd start dancing. Mm. And then somebody would muster up the courage to go ask someone, to, right? And then eventually the sidelines would get thinned out and everyone would right. be out on the dance floor. Well, you know, <laughs> Deontay Johnson was sitting there with DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin and all these other guys. Well, now he's the only one without it. I mean, he's sitting there. The Steelers are sitting across the dance floor, right? The gymnasium and all these, the Niners, the Seahawks and everybody, they're out. The A.J. Browns with his new date and the Eagles, right? And Deontay's just still sitting there on the bench like, all right, we're going to dance. The Steelers are just sitting on the bench like, all right, how much do we want to ask this guy to dance for? That's, uh, that's I think, kind of where we're at in this thing. It's a little bit of a staring no, contest it definitely at this is, point. Man. A little bit of it a, definitely is. A little bit of a staring but contest. But if, if you're Deontay, though, man, it's one of those things. It's like the hardest decision to really make, right, in the sense of do you take less than what you truly believe you are worth? Right solely so you can just put this behind you and go out there or do you fight for what you truly believe you're worth do you fight for what you believe you've worked so hard to finally acquire when we talk about life-changing money i know to the common listener 15 million is like bro what are you talking about (laughs) but you have to take it in the same context of when you talk about your workplace right a person making 50 grand a year, well, hey, what if you are worth 70 grand? Are you really going to sit for 50? No, you're going to go get the 70. Right. And we can say, well, man, is that 20 grand really that big a difference to a, a person that lives on the street? Not at all. But to that person working that job, that 20 grand is a drastic difference. Who's got three so kids for Deont- and a mortgage payment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for Deontay Johnson, yes, this is a big difference for him. 100% it is. And it should matter to him. And that's why for me, as much as I want to say, hey, man, get out there because the football needs to be the football, this is a part of being in the NFL. It is a business. It's a billion-dollar business with a capital B. Yep. So when we're talking about that along with the short, short shelf life of being an NFL player, you maximize it. You have to because you don't know when you're going to get this opportunity again. So if you're Deontay – as much as you might be playing that in the back of your head, man, take less, take less, come back, do this, do that. You also have to be accounting for how short of an opportunity, how short of a window this is. And let's be real. Deontay could sign for a cheaper deal to stay here in Pittsburgh and let him have two bad seasons. And we already know <laughs> what the team will be doing. So once again, that's why for me, I'm not one of those guys that come up here and say, yeah, man, do it for the team. Take less. Right. Get out there. You need to do this because we know as a player, it's not that same. You know, the 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 the, the ability to just, oh, give me the benefit of the doubt, the, ben- the, the ability to be patient, the ability to, oh, all right, you had a couple bad seasons, but you gave us all these good seasons, play out the rest of your deal. You don't get that luxury as a player. So when you have a chance to make it right, when you have a chance to get the compensation that you want, that you feel you deserve, 
well, you got to strike while the iron is hot. And I think for Deontay, he's doing that as best he knows how right now. Good point by Jeff here on Twitter too, Motsi. You know, he says all those those moving parts going on to this Deontay Johnson saga and conversation. Don't forget they're also trying to get a deal done with Chris Boswell. That's a good point mm-hmm. by Jeff as well too. Yeah, uh, you know, got the Minka contract done, looking to secure Boswell. A lot of moving parts here certainly. Um, but just, you know, with more moving and shaking around the wide receiver position across the league, certainly something that I wanted to touch on with Arthur Motes here this afternoon. It is this afternoon on the campus of St. Vincent College. We are uh, just about a half an hour away from the start of practice. The sun is starting to shine through. It's going to be a beautiful practice here for the first day of August for the first day of pads. You've got Motsi and I up until the start of practice when we'll hand things off to Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson. They'll have a special three-hour edition of The Drive. Everything you need for training camp, folks, we've got you covered here on SNR. We're going to take a break. We'll get back to some more of your tweets as we close out this hour and get ready to anticipate practice. I'm Wesley Euler. He's Arthur Motes. You are listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR. You're listening to the official voice of Black and Gold Nation. Beloved Black and Gold. SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. About a half an hour away from practice number five here for your Pittsburgh Steelers. It's another busy day here on the campus of St. Vincent College in beautiful Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Not quite as busy as it was on Saturday. Big shout out to everybody who came out here on Saturday. I tell you what, Motsi, it was a packed out there. It was like uh, if you've ever been downtown Pittsburgh to the point for fireworks on July 4th, just picture that. Like every every type of real estate, every type of uh, land or hill or field or bleacher or concrete that could have been turned into a, a seating area was. And uh, and a big shout out to Steeler Nation for representing here again today. It's been an overcast morning for the most part, but the sun is coming out now. Going to be a beautiful practice and what will uh, turn into a bit of a hot one here for the Steelers in the first day of pads. Once again, fans filing in. We're having some fun. We're rocking and rolling for for about another half an hour or so here till we turn things over to Dale Lawley and to Matt Williamson. Ah, Motsi, practice. It's getting started. All right, we got some specialists who have uh, who have made their way down here onto the field. All right, TJ Watts down here walking around in his bucket hat out there. Uh, these guys are uh, are chomping at the bit and ready to go. I'm excited. You know, I I think I was kind of rude. I was thinking about this while we were in break, Motsi. You know, in the in the first segment of the show, I, I you know I came in hot talking about all oh, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line, physicality, this and that, and offensive line, and got to be able to run the football, and you've got some new. Faces in there and offensive line, offensive line. Well, you tell me though, what should you know? The, the, the good people out here on the hill in Latrobe, and like I said, there's been some who've walked by with Bluetooth speakers. I know a few people are, are pumping our broadcast out there right now. If uh, if you were one of the the good members of black and gold clad members of Steeler Nation out here, what would you be watching for today? Come on, man, this is an easy one for me. Inside linebackers, Devin Bush. We talk about him all off season. Everybody had you know, uh, a different opinion on why he was who he was last season. Well, now we're going to get a chance to see that growth. We're going to get a chance to see what the new version of Devin looks like with pads. Because we said during OTAs and even the acclimation period, watching him, it's hard to tell anything. You look athletic because he is a very good athlete, but that wasn't the biggest issue for him last season. So 
when we talk about the physicality and we talk about how he plays against the run, how he's coming downhill, that's the person that I would be staring at the whole time while I'm out there. And if I had to throw in another one just in case, because we know inside linebacker probably not as glamorous all the time. I'm also looking at any outside linebacker not named TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith to see Ooh. who is going to emerge. So those would be the two, you know, areas where I would be focusing if I was out there or making those recommendations. And you know what? <laughs> You're absolutely right in terms of uh in terms of the outside linebacker position, the edge rusher position, because this is another one of those settings where what you've done through the first four days, again, it matters. It, it all matters, certainly. What you're putting on tape, what you're putting on film out there every day, that's, that's your film. That's your reputation. That's your livelihood, everything there. You know, when, when practice is over and the coaches go back and watch the film and you make a mistake, they're not going, ah, yeah, well, you know, they didn't have pads on today. I mean, it's no big deal, right. no pads. But at the same time, you know, this is the next step of that audition. This is when that magnifying glass gets even a little bit bigger and everything. Um, to me, those those guys that are at the edge rusher position, you know, behind T.J. Watt, behind Alex Highsmith, you know, uh, I think rightfully so. We've heard some people that have, you know, sung Derek Tuska's praises this week. Uh, he has, has had some nice outings out here. But you got to not only build on it, right, Motsi, but you, you've got to maybe even continue to take those steps forward now that the pads are on. It's great that you can pop out there in, in the shells and when we want to see that athleticism, but this is, is where you really start to get tested. No, 100% this is where they're going to get tested, man. And like I said, if you're a football fan, if you're a, uh, a guy that just – or a person that just loves contact, loves – true football i mean this is your your first introduction to it now granted it's not going to be the same intensity as a game but this is going to feel very real this is going to look and sound and we're going to see everything that we would want to see typically on a sunday you know you're going to get some big time plays by the defense you're going to get some big plays by the offense as a whole though man this is this is one of those days though man it absolutely is, and, and real I'm, football. We real, back, baby. <laughs> real football. Is there? I mean, there. Like, do you? Do, I know players because I and I believe you and I have talked about this before over the years, and maybe we will again here in another couple of weeks. I know guys get you know excited for that first preseason game in a way, just because you finally get to hit somebody else other than your teammates, right? <laughs> like, like you get excited for that first preseason game because all right, here's somebody else. Here's not the same guys we've been practicing with for the last few weeks. You know, we get to hit somebody in a in another uniform. Is it is there a similar kind of pep in your step today for these guys? Like they, you know, they've been engaging with each other, but is there is there that like that grin of like, all right, you know, today we're really going to find out. Like, is how does it compare on the same level of you know really getting to hit your teammates as it does finally getting to hit the other guys? Well, I would say this: it really depends on who you're asking, right? So, just from our personal experiences, I remember how Marquise Pouncey, for example, he would get excited for those days that we were in pads. It didn't matter when it was, he was hyped. He couldn't wait to get out there and really get physical and show that part of his game. I'm one of the guys that was actually the opposite of that. I was like, (laughs) man, I'm thinking about them 10 to 12 pounds that I got to carry on out there. And I'm just like, bruh, why? This sucks. (laughs) So that was my mindset, you know? But it just depends really who you're talking to because we know – what this element brings to the table for me, I never worried about physicality. I never was worried about my toughness. So me putting the pads on wasn't going to make me feel even more excited. Shoot, I was going to hit you regardless if it was in pads or not. That was just how <laughs> I played. So 
for me, it wasn't going to be that big of a deal regardless, you know. But for certain players, it does mean more. For certain players also, it adds a, another element of fear. The smaller guys, the cornerbacks, some of the wide receivers, the smaller people out there, now for them, you would see them have a different look in their eyes because they're like, hey, this isn't what I do. This isn't one of my strengths. My sure. skill set is speed, agility. This is physicality. This isn't what I want. Whereas for me, it was like, yo, this is my wheelhouse. I'm extremely comfortable when we're talking about being physical. That's where you cut your so, teeth. Right. So for me, I wasn't going to be anxious about putting pads on. I wasn't even going to be excited about it. It's like, I know this. I right. was thinking about, man, I got to have this extra weight on me today. That's going <laughs> that's going to tap into my my conditioning tank. And I don't want to deal with that today because even though it's training camp and you do get tired, you never want to get game tired. And that's your biggest fear, game tired. Sure. Because it's just a certain level of the intensity. But in the game, it's designed that when you get that tired, you're going to have realistic breaks. In a practice set and in training camp, you never get those same type of breaks just based on how we move from drill to drill, highlighting certain things. You don't get your, okay, you've been on the field for this long. Now you're sitting down for this long. You don't right, get a lot of just right. sit down, be dormant, dead time. Even when you're watching them move place to place, it's with a purpose, right? They're on the hop. They're sprinting to this next drill, and then they're hopping right into it. Everything is on the clock. Everything is timed down to the second. So it's not designed for you to catch your breath. It's not designed for <laughs> you to no have There's no 15 those minute halftime in the right. middle of practice out here. Yeah. So that's why, as a player, with me, I would always be focused on okay, so if I got pads, that just means I need to extra hydrate because this is going to happen, with that's mm. going to happen. And ultimately, I can't get to this level of fatigue out here. Sure. Sure. No, that, that, that makes a ton of sense. It absolutely does, particularly in these settings, too, where, you know, there's when you're out here on the fields at St. Vincent, there's not a lot of shade. Not at all. Not at all, You are out on campus right in the middle of everything, right in the middle of the scorching heat. Uh, you do that, you know, as we roll into August, and you throw on those pads as well, too. Yeah, you can certainly see why that would, would have an effect uh, on your conditioning, your stamina, all those different things. So, you know what you have me thinking here, too? One more thing is it relates to this that I have to pick your brain on as, as the, uh, the decade of NFL experience here on the show. You have, over the years, um, laid out what your game day process was like, right? You know, mm -hmm. in, in terms of saying goodbye to your family, in terms of getting to the stadium and, and, and knowing all these things, and when you go to your music and when you start to, you know, get into that mental state that you have to be to play a violent game like the sport of football, is it that same process for a first padded practice like today? Is it that same intensity? Or is there still have to be a little bit in the back of your mind that says these these are my teammates that I'm going up against? For certain players, yes. Marquise Ponce was one of those dudes. Like, <clears throat> And the reason I keep hitting on or, or talking about him is just because during training camp, his locker was literally right across from mine. Him, Cam Hayward, all these dudes that like, were right in close proximity. So we would see them go through their different processes. I would watch him get his headphones on and go through his mental preparation, watching him fit his face. The expressions on it change the closer we get to practice. Watching Cam Hayward and how he would get himself motivated to go out there to practice. For me, I always took practice the exact same way, regardless of the dress or not. I know I'm coming out here to work on three things specifically that I would have highlighted for that day. And if we're in pads, it's like, okay, cool. I know I got to finish, but more importantly for me, I'm thinking about the condition element. I'm thinking about the hydration element of it. Mm. In terms of the physicality part, I'm never trying to blast anybody to that extent. Like I would hit you in a game 
in practice. That's just never been a part of my makeup. Now, some guys, they do do that, and they take pride in it. They're like, yo, I'm going to hit you on if you're my teammate or not. And you take those guys, and it's like, all right, cool. That's a part of your makeup. I understand that. You can't turn that switch on and off. For me, I could. For me, I could say, hey, man, I'm in position to knock you out in practice. I'm not going to do it, though. I know your wife and kids. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's how I drew my line. Some guys, they don't draw that same line. And you have to just understand that because everybody is different. But that was always my approach when it came to preparing for a padded practice. It's like, yeah, I know I could go out here and really hurt somebody if I wanted to. Or this running back doesn't see me. I'm coming in second to the pile or third to the pile. I could easily put my helmet on an elbow. I could put my helmet on a knee. You know, I could do something like that. Mm -hmm. But in a practice setting with my teammates, why? And that was one of the things that, for me, I learned that early on, and I never really had any issues with other players. You have issues with them, and usually it it can end um, in an aggressive um, Ah, hugging Aggressive negotiations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When when we like to touch each other in a a rapid manner, and, you know, that has those repercussions (laughs) and things like that. But for me, I was like, man, I'm not going to be one of those type of guys, man. Sure, sure. Ah, uh, the, the insight that only Arthur Modes can bring us. Uh, we are still standing by, uh, <laughs> waiting to see if we're going to be joined by Mike Logan here in uh, the end of the show. Practice getting close to started. Uh, a decent few of the team out here, a few of the offensive linemen here, a few more making their way down the hill right now. On the other side, we'll either talk to Mike Logan or get to your tweets or maybe a combination of both before we hand things off to Matt Williamson and Dale Lawley here. It's another beautiful day at St. Vincent College out in La Trobe for our ongoing training camp coverage 2022 edition. You are listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Black and gold football lives here 24-7. You're listening to SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR. Final segment here on the Steelers Blitz as we get ready for the start of practice. It'll be practice number five, padded practice number one. A lot of anticipation here on the campus of St. Vincent College. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, we're pleased now to be joined by a man who needs little uh, of an introduction here, but I'll give him one anyways. Mike Logan, former Pittsburgh Steelers safety, Super Bowl 40 champ with the Steelers, and uh, of course, most importantly, an alumni of the West Virginia University. Here we go. Let's go ears, baby. <laughs> Mike, what's up, partner? How you doing? Thanks for being here. Oh, man, I'm doing well, man. I'm just soaking this all in, man. It's been a minute since I've been up here to St. Vincent. Um, and just seeing the crowd, just seeing how everybody is just elated to be here and exciting. Uh, you know, I brought my boys up with me, so yep. they're having a – a great time and just enjoying the experience man so it's just uh everything is just like coming back to me sure sure and we've, we've got arthur motes on the show as well too he's uh he's back at the ranch but you'll hear him here in just a second but this is something i i always ask him as well too what are those you know what are those first feelings when when you get back out here you know a lot of things have changed about the steelers about the nfl over the years but you know other than the two pandemic years every year since the 60s this is where it's all started for for the black and gold and you think about it when you go back into that history and that tradition this is where it's made mm-hmm. every every team that went on to greatness and uh you know every team that i was involved in you, you knew that this was the start of something. And, you know, you get that feeling around training camp, you can almost project how the season is going to be. Huh. So 
you know, these guys got to show and prove. I know people are looking for a lot of great things out of this particular team this year. So, But this is where it will be developed at. And if you start to get that sense that it's going to be great, it's going to happen here. Now, Mike, first off, man, always great to talk to you. Wish I was there to see you in person. My bro, Maybe what you already up? know this, man. You already know. But talk to me a little bit, man, about what was your mindset like, man, when you would have to report to Lady Trobe? Just take the people inside that helmet for you what that was like, man, in your preparation. Well, for me, it was it was a little bit different. You got to remember, I'm a hometown kid who was mm-hmm. playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So for me, it was actually the getaway. I had to, you know, like I, there was so much access to me from my mm-hmm. family, from my friends, from just being here. So for me, it was a getaway. I actually enjoyed coming up to training camp because I could really focus in and hone in on my craft and on my skill. When I'm at home, you know, I got to fix the garbage disposal. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I got to do this. I got to do that, um, you know, in the midst of me still training for football. But when I'm up in training camp, when I come to Latrobe, they know. You know, the wife understands that she can't, you know, I'm not going to be as accessible. I'm not going to be returning calls, you know. The the kids know (laughs) that they got to handle their things, you know what I mean? It was really business mindset. So, for me, it was that channel time. I was able to channel my mind and really focus on, uh, you know, playing football. And I'll tell you the truth. I probably had my best training camps up here at St. Vincent. It was the best football that I've probably ever played. And Mm. a testament to this was that in my seventh, eighth, ninth year in the league, everybody was like, how is this dude making a team every year? And he's had, you know, so many injuries. He's blown both of his knees out. But it was because in training camp, I was so focused and I would always have like one of the best training camps of all the, you know, defensive backs and stuff. And that's how I was able to make the team every year because I had so much focus going into training camp. And I just really just – it was a mindset for me. That's cool. That's very cool. Mike Logan no, I like here that. At, the, uh, at the SNR tent. One thing I got to ask you about, and I, I know I'm sure you get asked this from time to time. I know it's something he likes to talk about, your relationship with Troy Polamalu. You know, it, it seems like you can't ask Troy about his time with the Steelers, and very shortly after that, he, he always mentions you. That, that's got to be something, you know, the, the relationship that you had with him, you know, the mentor-mentee type relationship that's been pretty rewarding for you over the years. It's definitely been rewarding for me, more so in the aspect of – he evolved my spirit, man. Mm. Like, mm. Troy is such um, – he's such a graceful, you know, soul, man. And um, the relationship that we had, you know, it, we weren't the best of friends. Like, you know, we didn't hang out all the time. But we just had an understanding about, uh, you know, who we were as people. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. It was so much bigger than what was going on on the field. Everybody mm. made that big – you know, I knew that they drafted Troy to take my position. He was going to be the guy that was coming up under me. I had just blew out my knee. I was going into my, you know, eighth, ninth year in my career. I knew the writing was on the wall. But when I came in, you know, when I, when I met Troy, right off the bat, you could see his humility. You could feel his humility. And it's like if I had anything to offer to him, I was going to give it to him. And likewise, I felt that from him. He offered himself to me as soon as he got here. And and it was like we really we had an abundance to offer each other. Hmm. And mine was I didn't really have to teach Troy a lot. 
You know what I mean? When mm. people say, uh, you know, that was like your mentee. And all, like, he already knew the game. He understood what he was here to do. He already had a mindset of a professional. So it was more so, you know, him just getting comfortable with the environment. And I'm glad that I was able to be that comfort for him to come in and say, well, this isn't about me taking this position and taking food out of his mouth. No, it was about him being the best possible teammate he could be for me and me being the best possible teammate for him. And, hell, yeah, the rewards came. Hearing my name in Canton, Ohio. Yeah. Let's go. The Hall of Fame speech. Are you (laughs) kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like my son said, did he say Logan? And he was like, Dad, is that your friend? I said, that is my brother. That is your uncle. You know, Let's go, man. And for him to pay homage to me on that stage is something that, you know, I wouldn't even – I mean, I I can't really even say how I felt Mm. hearing that. Because you think about this. I'm entrenched in the Hall of Fame forever. That speech is going to be forever known with him. And this dude called out my name? Are you serious? Bro, that's the best, you know, accolade accomplishment of my career is being called out by a teammate for being uh, a hell of a guy to him and being a teammate and talking about the Steeler way. Like, that's the best homage I've ever gotten in my life, man. No, that is awesome right there. And also being a guy that was – with Troy as a younger guy, him obviously being on the older end, reverse inversion, but 100% agree with you, man. Just an awesome dude, man. Yeah. Genuinely, just a kind heart, man. Now, you love to be around Troy. No doubt. But um, I wanted to ask you about another one of your former teammates who was recently inducted into the Steelers Hall of Honor. Talking about Heath Miller, man. How oh. you feeling about that, man? Seeing him receive that type of recognition. You know, it, it was so wild because I just heard that last night. Um, my wife and I were watching TV, and she was like, that's Heath. And I was like, oh, man, he's going to. <laughs> and for, for me, you know, you almost – Heath was the type of guy that if the if the audience didn't yell out, Heath, you would almost forget <laughs> that he was on a team yes. because he was <laughs> such a subtle dude. He was business-minded. He came in. He put on his hard hat. He showed up for work. He showed out for the game. He was always dependable. He was always there, but he was such a humble dude, man. He he didn't want the spotlight. He's like, I'm gonna go out here and do what I do, and it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna waver me either way. So a well-deserved honor for that guy. I'm elated for him, man. And you know, people talked about Heath. Heath was probably our biggest threat with all the superstars mm. that we had on his team because it was so subtle. Those guys didn't – they're paying attention to everybody else. You know, Big Ben's going to do this. We got our yeah. receivers, Hines, and them doing Antoine Randall. But Heath was such an instrumental part of us, and he would just show up and show out all day, and people didn't even understand, like, what what is he doing? He's killing y'all. It's because of <laughs> Heath. It's because of Heath that we were able to do so many of the other things that we were able to do as far as the run game and open up play action. It was because of Heath Miller. So well-deserved honor for that guy. Yeah, it was uh, nah, pretty salute cool. Salute Heath, man. Yeah, he was he was out here on Saturday while we were doing the show and got the got the heat from the crowd and awesome, everything. Man. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, last one that I've got for you, Mike, and we we really appreciate the time. Um, Steelers safeties right now, pretty pretty good tandem in those two in terms of Minka Fitzpatrick and Edmonds. Uh, we know Edmonds the coming back on the one year deal. Minka, he's obviously, I mean, he's been Pro Bowls and All Pros and and, and all those things. 
there's, you know, been some similarities to, you know, people want to say, oh, you know, there's there's some Ryan Clark type, mm-hmm. Troy Polamalu feel. You know, not that there'll ever be another Troy, right. as, as we could all spend hours discussing here. But I got to imagine, you know, fr- from your standpoint, it's, it's probably fun to watch Edmonds and, and Minka operate out there. It, it is. And the scary thing about both of those guys, I still haven't – we haven't seen the best of them yet. Mm-hmm. You talk about mm-hmm. Edmonds, you know, coming in – we still haven't seen the best of him yet, and it's there. So, again, this is the time that you materialize that. Them guys getting to work together now and understand, you know, the relationship has to be so great. The reason why we had so much success as safety tandems with us, think about Ryan and Troy. The relationship that those guys had, that they were able to go on and off the field, be in similarity with, with one another, to know what the other guy is doing. Listen, there was times when Troy would be up at the, lar- the, the line of scrimmage. They're about to snap the ball, but he has deep half. And I'm looking over like, <laughs> what? like, dude, like he, he's in his cadence. Like, you, you know, you, you got to get back to half field. But then we gained that trust. And I knew that at the start of the, the snap of the ball, this dude is going to dart like a bat out of what and get to his half of the field and have it covered. And when you get that relationship going with the other guy, and I think that that's something that Minka and Edmonds will be able to develop here in training camp, if they get that, those two with the athleticism and range that they have, they could be one of the best tandems in the league. Now, I like to hear that right there, man. The last one I have for you is just if you had a favorite camp memory, man, now that you're back out there remembering and rehashing, if there was anything that stood out to you from back in your time, man, oh, man. that you wanted to drop on us, so, man, that's all. Yeah, so listen, I'm going to tell you all this, though. You guys have training camp so easy. <laughs> Bro, I came out in the 90s where we had the we dog spoiled, man. Let, days let us live, man. of summer. <laughs> Two a days out here sweating, <laughs> three a days down there in Jacksonville with Tom Coughlin and Ooh, full pads. Man. We was hitting full pads, taking it to the ground. So one of my favorite camp memories was um, it might have been after the Super Bowl year because yeah, I think it might have been after the Super Bowl. Um, Coach Cower on our last day of two a days, he would bring us down to the field and then he would line buses would come up after uh, we would stretch. And we knew it was movie day. Movie day. So we would get out of that the last. The buses are coming. That, that the last, that, yeah, the buses are coming. The buses are coming. And but they're not here yet, and everyone's yeah. standing around oh, like, where's man, the buses? You we guys look, see the buses? Are they hiding them on the back because, side of the cathedral? The because for like two years, he didn't do it for us. Like, I think, like, one year we had like a bad, I think we missed the playoffs. And the next year we were like looking for that training camp thing. We were like, when is that, when are the buses going to come? And they never came. And then the next year it didn't come back. And we're like, oh. So that year, I, I remember everybody was just so elated to see those buses, man. And it was just a fun time, man. That's so awesome. One of my greatest memories. That's man. awesome. All right. Before Love we let it. you go Love here, it. real quick, month from today, not Heinz, I almost said Heinz Field, Akersher Stadium. First backyard brawl in 11 oh, years. Man. You, you take it, you got the boys out here with you today. Listen, you going to be at the brawl a month from now? I'm definitely going to be at the brawl. We're, we're lining Did up a lot is. of things with uh, some of the Pitt alum. You know, sure, um, sure. one of my cousins, Lusaka Polite, played for Pitt. He's a Pitt alum. We're talking about doing some joint tailgating together. Nice. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we won't take it West Virginia style and we'll be able to make it into the stadium to actually <laughs> watch the game because we go hard in the paint. That's right. Full blown out. But I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Um, it's something that I think that the cities have missed, uh, you know, when they hadn't had it. But I'm glad that it's back. It's really not about who wins or loses in that. It's really about 
uh, the quality of football and, and, and these young kids being able to see this rivalry and the tradition and everything that goes along with it. So I'll be down there representing somebody. Just come find me. I got my West V hat on today and yes, ha- almost got into a fight with a couple Fit fans up here, but you know how it goes. Hey, as Moats would right. attest to for me, I'm often wearing the, the Dub V as well too. And they'll, they'll let you have it, but you just got to yeah, give it right back to That's right, them, man. You know? We give it back to them, man. Mike, thanks for all the time, guys. man. We really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Moats and I, we got to get out of here. Thanks to everybody. Everybody who helped us put on the show today, Brian back at the studio, Jacob here on site. Practice getting underway. Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson coming up with three more hours of coverage on SNR. So don't go anywhere. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. As always, you know where to find Moats and I. It's high noon on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.